Guys, I don't know about you all, but I am loving uh, this series, and I'm so grateful for Pastor Adam. Yeah, come on, give it up. Last week was good. Uh, hey, I want to welcome our Fredericksburg campus. I want to welcome our folks online, and most of all, I want to welcome you guys here that are right here today. Man, we've got a great day. I've had 12 cups of coffee. I haven't had anything to eat, and there's a chance I may actually moonwalk today, okay? So... Guys, Pastor Adam last week was talking some smack to us about this whole cornhole thing, all right? Friday night, it is our job, it is your job, men, to be here It's 6 o'clock, because at 6.30, after we gorge on barbecue, we are taking Pastor Adam down in the cornhole challenge, okay? We're taking him down. Come on. He can throw the gauntlet, we can throw the gauntlet. Let's go. Come on. Somebody. Somebody. I can't play basketball, and cornhole and basketball are too similar, so I'm just going to cheer you guys on, okay? All right? All right? Somebody needs to win other than Adam, all right? Hey, we're going to continue on in our series, and, and, uh, and this is the arena, but it's the internal arena. And guys, you know, by me just saying that right now, you know what I'm talking about. You know the very real internal arena that happens within you every single day. And I will tell you this, from a guy's perspective, the battle is very real. And the battle for me starts when Reveille is played. Now, Reveille for me comes from a $1,200 smartphone, all right? that screams at me, but by the way, I'm making 24 uh, easy payments of $36 a month on this thing, okay? Yeah. Night, all right? Some of you are really super weird. You just wake up automatically at 4.30 in the morning and you get up and you're like, let's go. I'm like, I don't have a file folder for that. I need this thing to be screaming at me, wake up! Yeah. You know, there is no armor that we wear when we walk into this battle other than maybe a, a really comfortable t-shirt and a really comfortable pair of shorts. And you guys know what I'm talking about. We get up, we put our feet on the ground, we start walking and we got our routine and we all have our routine and the routine may be a little bit different, but it's a routine that we have. But the real battle starts you ready for this? The real battle starts for the day, the first skirmish of the day that can set the tone for the rest of the battles that we will face today happens in front of the mirror in our bathroom. That mirror that we look into and what we see coming back, what reflection we see coming back determines how the battle and how the skirmish is going to go. Now, ladies, I'm going to let you know that some of the things that happen in front of the mirror with a man is a teenage boy, they're sitting there and they're going, oh, yeah, it's starting to come. They're going, yeah, chest, abs of steel, a whisker, I got to shave, I got to get a razor. Now, for us guys... For us guys, you're going, eh, it's kind of still there. Well, at least they're soft and cushy, yeah. And those abs, 
yeah, they're not there anymore. And then we look intently into the mirror and we're going, when did hair start growing out of my ears? <laughs> Maybe that's just me, but I don't think so. No kidding, that look in the mirror sets the tone for the rest of the day. And there's two big questions that each of us have to ask. Guys, we've got to ask when we're looking into that mirror. And the first one is, who is this looking back at me? Who is this man? Who is this guy? And the second one that I think almost all of us struggle with, and this may be the most profound question as we are gazing into that mirror, who am I supposed to be? Who is this person that's looking back at me? Who is he supposed to be? How we define that and how we answer that makes all the difference in the world to us. And so we're going to kind of step in and look at this just a little bit. I think there's two main things that help us define what we see in that mirror. And the first one, and you have heard me say this over and over and over again, and you will continue to hear me say this because I think it is so vitally important, not just for us men, but for all of us, is who does God say I am? One of the first things that we have to struggle with, one of the first things that we really have to do is we don't even know how to define what a man is. I, I did, I have, I'm old school, okay? On my desk, I have a, a little paperback um, Office Dictionary, Webster's Office Dictionary. I don't know why it's still there because when I open it up, the font is so stinking tiny, I, I have to break my phone out with a magnifying glass to read it. But I looked up what manhood. You ready for this? This is a really helpful, this is a really helpful definition of what manhood is. The state or time of being a man. I got no clue. <laughs> now, our country says you're a man at 18, kind of. You're a man at 21, kind of. And the insurance company says you aren't a man until you're 25. You know what I'm talking about. That's when you get the insurance break. After that, the birthdays after that, kind of blah, until you uh, qualify for AARP and you go to McDonald's. I'd like the senior coffee, please. <laughs> Confidently. Don't accept the senior coffee until you can receive the senior coffee. Be strong about that one, guys, okay? <laughs> Nothing quite embarrassing enough as to walk up to the counter and go, I'll have a, uh, let's see, uh, Egg McMuffin and a cup of coffee. Is that a senior coffee? No, I do not qualify for a senior coffee. <laughs> I do now, though. Okay, anyways. I'm not sure, and I'm not smart enough on how to define 
what a man is. I'm not smart enough on how necessarily to define what manhood is, but I know it when I see it. Does that make sense? We know it when we see it. And so understanding what this is and striving for something and looking at who, who is the perfect model of what manhood is. If I want to look in the mirror and I want to compare myself to somebody, am I comparing myself to somebody I work with or am I comparing myself with the man, which is Jesus Christ? And even if we look at Jesus Christ, how do we view him as a man? Do we see him as milk toast? Do we see him as weak? Do we see him as strong? Do we see him as a warrior? How do we see Jesus will help us understand what a man really is? Jesus was incredibly compassionate. Jesus was absolutely a warrior. If you don't think he was a warrior, it took more courage, more strength, more guts, more grit to do nothing except to submit himself to the brutality of torture and death on our behalf. He could have done anything. Instead, he chose to become the sacrificial lamb. Is that what it is to be a man, that I laid down my life for somebody? Jesus says yes. Is it that I weep with others as Jesus did at the tomb of Lazarus? Yes. Is it when I see injustice that I come in and I flip over a table and I take cords and I create a whip and I said, how dare you do this? Yes. The internal battle is real and it starts with who we believe Jesus is and it also starts with our very own identity. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Pivotal scripture. And we read over it and we don't think that much about it. It's up here. This is from uh, the Christian Standard Bible. Let us make man in our image. This is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit at creation. The perfect unity saying, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Again, you've heard me say this, and I will always say this, because this identity piece is huge. Men, women, children, all of us, we are made in the image of God. We have qualities and characteristics of God, of the Godhead. We have the ability to love. We have the ability to show grace. We have the ability to be true. We have the ability to be just. We have the ability to be, to be 
men. Yes! Yes! Second of all, and this is so important, Psalm 139 goes right into our identity. Man, you need to hear this. Psalm 139. For you, God, created my inmost being. As I'm looking in that mirror, as we are looking in that mirror, do we understand that it is God that created everything that we are? You knit me together. God, you knit me together. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. We skip over that line. Your works, God, are wonderful. If I am made in the image of God, and if God has knit me together in my mother's womb, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made, I have to understand this, that God, what you have made is wonderful. And I am created in God's image and God made me, which means that we, gentlemen, as we look in the mirror, one of the things that we need to see, I'm good. I'm good because of who made me. And he doesn't make junk. He doesn't make mistakes. He's, his works are wonderful. Oh. Guys, I'll tell you, there are times I look in the mirror and I can't see that. I've got barnyard animals happening in here today. <laughs> I got hogs over here. Oh, 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 oh. I got chickens over here. What the heck is going on? Hey, this is good stuff today, folks. Come on. Are we having fun yet? Good morning, my name's John Cook. I am your pastor of Carrick. No. There are times when I look in that mirror and the battles that have been raging over and over and over again and I look in that mirror and guys, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard to see and it's hard to remember. God's works are wonderful. I am, you are, we are wonderful. We are amazing. We have the breath of life in us from God. The second big thing that really affects our ability to look in the mirror and see 
what God sees are the stories we come from. The stories. As I was preparing for this lesson, and I've, I've heard about this, and I've, I've heard different teachings about it, and I did some studies about it. But guys, this is very real. We have two things that really affect us. And one of them is a father hunger. And this is, this is really kind of an emotionally, mental desire to have a deep attachment with our fathers, with our dads. And the other one is literally a father wound where we may not have had a father that, that could attach with us, that showed us and, and the stories that he told us or the, the examples that we got from him and has totally distorted our understanding of what masculinity is. And it affects everything. How we grew up witnessing what manhood looks like and what a man looks like totally either makes, helps make the reflection or distorts the reflection in that mirror. There are some dads that are awesome, and I'm hoping that some of you are that too, that you are fully engaged with your children, that you are fully engaged with your daughters, that you are fully engaged with your sons, that you are fully engaged with your spouses, that you go to work, but you don't live to work, you work to live. It is a means to an end. But where I find my joy is in relationship with other people, and I pour in, and I am a protector, and I'm a warrior, and I'm a lover, and I'm a poet. I'm a man of great strength, but I'm also a man of incredible grace. These are the dads that pour into their kids. Now, I will tell you, all of us, all of us are broken. As Pastor Adam told us uh, last week, listen, we are, we are products of Adam. One of my all-time greatest uh, uh, musical artists that I love, don't care for his politics, but you guys have heard me say this, Bruce Springsteen, he's got a song that says, Adam raised a cane. Think about that one for a second. Dad, do you know that one of the things that you can do, one of the greatest gifts that I think we can show our kids to help impress upon their story are the things that you may not have gotten from your father. And those are the little things like humility. Guys, we goon it up. We can goon a lot of things up. But one of the things that we can do is we can teach our children, hey, listen, dad messed up. No excuses, I messed up. And we apologize for it. We show them humility. I remember one time when I was, I think I was about six years old, we were putting Christmas lights outside the house. You know, and these are the big, you know, light bulb things. Yeah, I'm dating myself a lot, okay? LED wasn't even invented yet. They had the big light bulbs. 
dad's got it strung up, he's got it plugged in, and we're figuring out which lights work and which ones don't. And there was one of the sockets was empty. Yes, I did. I told you, I'm not the smartest kid in the... In the I could have been a Marine, I think. I'm sure I ate crayons. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> to this day, I remember my dad smacking my arm, screaming at me, and then grabbing me up. Don't ever do that again. Okay. <laughs> my dad was engaged. But my dad was imperfect. There are other dads out there, and some of our stories are like this. There are absent fathers. Did you know that 18.4 million, according to the 2020 census, uh, excuse me, yeah, the, excuse, yeah the, the 2020 census, it says 18.4 million children live without any father figure in their lives. That's approximately 25% of our kids in the United States. They're absent fathers, men who have just disappeared, and they are not in their children's lives. They're distant fathers, and fathers can be present at the moment. They can be in the same home. They could be in the same living room, or they could be in the room next to them, and, but they never engage with their children they're busy playing video games or they're drinking or all they're focused about is their work. And these stories that we're beginning to, as, as, as young boys, we begin to start having this, that apparently there's something wrong with me or better yet, dad doesn't just, maybe dad just doesn't care. And so this is that, that father desire that we want, that hunger to be in a relationship with dad, but for whatever reason, dad can't really engage with us, and maybe his dad didn't engage with him, and, and his dad didn't engage with him, and his dad didn't engage with him, and all of this. And then there's the worst kind of dad ever. There's the abusive dad, the one that totally distorts what masculinity is. And he doesn't even have to be a dad that beats his kids, but he's disrespectful to his wife, or he hits his wife, or he's just completely not there. And so we have no clue what it is to be a man. And so what we do is we allow other influences to define what manhood is. And we look at MTV, that's my generation. They don't even play music on MTV anymore, all right? I, we look to magazines, we look to you know, our, our, our fellow students, we look to our peers, we, we try to find it in a career. We, we say, I'm, I'm gonna be a warrior, I'm not, I'm not gonna be passive, I'm gonna go join the military and I'm gonna see the world, I'm gonna blow stuff up and it's gonna be awesome and, ah, 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 and all this stuff and we cannot find who we are and so we think that a man has to be nothing but a warrior. And we never learn what it is to really, really be the example of what a man is that we see in Jesus Christ. And so we look in the mirror, and this time what we see, we don't see a man staring back at us. We see an adolescent. 
who's hurt, who's unsure, who's angry, who's arrogant, who's defiant, who's lost. We can't look at the mirror anymore. We have troubles looking at the mirror. So maybe that morning we just don't. Man, I want to share something with you, and this is from Psalm 27. Psalm 27 reads this way. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light, which means he, my Father God, is my light. He is my director. He is the one that gives me a true path. But he is also my salvation. He is the one that saves me from everything that wants to assail me. And guys, we need a Savior. Don't think for a second that a man doesn't need someone else. It takes more courage to pour into somebody and allow somebody to walk alongside us than it does to say, I am a rock, I am an island, and I don't need you. The Lord is my light, he is my director, he is my compass, and he is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold, a fortress. He is the fortress for my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Guys, women, let me tell you something about your husbands. Moms, let me tell you something about your boys. We need safe places. Because, man, we can get beat up. We need a safe place. We need to come and fall into the arms of somebody that says, you're safe here. Guys, let that be God, your Father. If for whatever reason your dad couldn't do it, and even if your dad did the very best he could, he's still imperfect, but your perfect father in heaven can be all of those things that you need. Psalm 27 goes on, even if my father and mother abandoned me, Even if I'm abandoned, the Lord will hold me close. Think about that, man. Tell me in the deepest part of who you are, you wouldn't love to have the mighty warrior the God of the universe. Come here, son. I got you. See, that's the internal battle. Luke chapter 3. 
is the story of Jesus' baptism. And I want to read this to you. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Man, if we know who we are, if we know what our identity, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, I don't care what the world says a man is. I care what God says. And you know what's really special about this passage? Would you mind putting that passage back up? What's really special about this passage here, I need for you to understand that Jesus had done nothing yet. Jesus had not started his ministry. Jesus had finally come to age. At 30 years is when a rabbi, the very last thing he would do before he went into ministry, the very last thing a rabbi would do is that he would be ceremonially washed. He would walk down in what they called a mikvah, and it had stairs on both sides. And he would go down and he would walk under that. And he'd be completely submerged. And he'd come up on the other side where there would be other stairs there. And he would be ceremonially washed from head to toe. And at that point, he was prepared to go into ministry. See, that's what happened with Jesus. Man, we have some idea that we've gotten along here that we got to have all of our stuff in one sock before we can come to Jesus. We got to get everything right before he would have anything to do with us. This passage right here tells me it's just the opposite. That voice from heaven came out and said, this is my son in whom I love and I'm well pleased. Man, that is the voice of God. And it's the voice of God that I want you to hear today before you may have done anything. Before you've gone into ministry. Before you've gotten all your stuff in one sock. Before whatever fear, whatever it is, you are God's son. You are God's child in whom he loves and he is well pleased with. Before you've done anything. Guys, don't miss this. Are you facing the struggles? Because what I want you to do, and I know that what God wants to do, if we will begin to start believing this, that I am God's son in whom he loves and he is well pleased before I've done anything. When I look in the mirror in that morning, I can see what God sees in me and I can be pleased with that man. What a great thing to look in the mirror and say, you know what, even in my brokenness, I am good because God says I am. And that's enough. And if I see that in the morning, what can you do to me, Satan? 
what can you do to me, world? Because I am in God, and I am his son, and he loves me, and he is well pleased with me, and I haven't even done anything today. So what do you see in the mirror? If you see that hurt little boy today, I'm asking you, stop. I'm asking you today to say, Jesus, be my perfect father. Jesus, show me who I am and who you say I am. And today, you've got a perfect opportunity to do that. One, if you've never accepted Jesus, I'm asking you today, 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 quit fighting the battle alone. You're getting defeated. You are defeated. Why not have the one that created, that spoke the world into existence, that wants to be not only go before you, but be your rear guard? to be your warrior who will protect the top and the bottom and the sides and the front and the back. And so we go into battle and I'm good. And second, if you've accepted Jesus but you've never been baptized, today's the day. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and I thank you so much for who you are and who you say we are. God, you know that our internal battle, the arena that we live in, inside ourselves, is probably the most frightening place to be. And so, God, I am asking that you would take us out of that arena and that you would place us in your arena where we are not combatants, we are victors. We are victors because of you. God, my prayer this morning is for anyone who has not accepted you today, that they would boldly turn their life over to you and said, I can't fight this battle anymore. God, give them the courage and the strength to do just that. If that is you today, this is the prayer. It's simple. Repeat this and share it between your heart and God's heart. God, I have been fighting the battle alone. Please, in the name of Jesus Christ, come alongside me. Fill me. Fight for me. Because I can't do it anymore. Lord, today I profess you as Lord and Savior, my light, my salvation, and my fortress. Change me from the inside out so that when I look in the mirror, I see you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.